This is the Parent Life Podcast, and I'm Jason Stanley. Pastor Tim is back with us, uh, and this is the first time this year that we've gotten to have you back. Uh, it's actually been uh, since, I think, November last time we had you. thought I wasn't going to get invited back. <laughs> no, not at all. We're, I'm so glad to have you back. And a couple of other things that are new. So most of the time I'm doing a Zoom uh, interview. I don't get to do it in person. And I guess we could have done Zoom, but you know, you'd be in one end of the hall and I'd be on the other. So yeah, <laughs> it's well. just probably better to do it in person. Um, so the idea of this episode, uh, it originated back in March, and that's because the Barna Research Center and the Cultural Research Center of Arizona Christian University, they collected and uh, released what is called the American Worldview Inventory, and they had their first release in March. They're going to have sequential releases, but we're going to just process the first release. And I found it about the same time you found it. And we both started messaging each other about it like, hey, have you seen this yet? Particularly because it deals with parents of preteens, me being a middle school pastor, preteen pastor. Um, that's my area. So the conclusion of the research is that American children are spiritually disadvantaged. We're going to talk about that. Because parents do not have a biblical worldview. Now, I understand, and all of our listeners should understand, we're Christians. And so when we say you're disadvantaged for not having a biblical worldview, we have some presuppositions and biases towards those presuppositions. So if you're listening to this and you have antagonistic thoughts towards uh, a biblical worldview, don't worry, we're also going to... You know, talk about that a little bit as well. Um, but nonetheless, we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the power of God. So I asked him to join me today and explain the research, the cultural trends, and how Fruit Cove Baptist Church here in Jacksonville, because we are a ministry of Fruit Cove Baptist, is going to respond. So, Tim, are you ready for the questions? Let's go. All right, let's do it. All right, so for our listeners, let's just go ahead and define some terms. Okay. Biblical worldview. What does that mean? Con what constitutes a biblical worldview? Okay. The biblical worldview, and, and, and I'll be honest with you, um, you know, having been a pastor for 40 years and a couple of years before that, a youth pastor, um, I did not encounter the terminology biblical worldview. Uh, even in seminary, it was not something wow. that was spoken about in seminary. So it was some years after I was out of seminary that's and, amazing. And, and I think the reason for that is, um, and I won't mention the name of the seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> I went to, but, that no one knows about, but, yeah. It, but it was just not discussed and not dealt with in any, in any overt way. Um, and, and honestly, I, I, it was not something I ever really leaned into and took seriously because I didn't know it existed. I didn't know there was such a thing. Uh, I mean, when I started understanding what a biblical worldview was, it, it stunned me. First of all, uh, I was not intentional about raising my family, my, my kids, in a biblical worldview. Mm. Now, they ended up with it, they, they've embraced it, but it was not because they heard that yeah. in our home. There wasn't, no. that, was there a need for it? Did you feel that need well it was it was again you know what we were dealing with in that time and this was probably you know mid late 80s uh, what we were dealing with in churches at that time in that era of church we were starting to see the huge disconnect between 
what we were teaching in church and Sunday school and Bible studies and how kids were starting to act. Mm. And we were, we were dealing with what is this wall between what we're saying and what we're teaching and what kids are actually living out in their lives. Mm. And, you know, when I, when I started understanding what the biblical worldview was, uh, it was it's and, and it's an area of philosophy, I guess, in a sense. It's not you know it's it's a theological discussion, yeah. but it's also philosophical. And and I you know again those things intimidated me, so I stayed back from them. But when I started understanding, I'm thinking, well, the problem is the kids are not being are not being shown that the worldview that they have is really the thing that they make the decisions you know, their decisions out of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Barna, I think Barna's research was probably the first time I read and actually encountered the terminology worldview. I'm trying to think of the book that I saw it in, but um, but in that book, he he pretty much stunned me too again by saying that most of our children have have already set they have established their mm-hmm. worldview by the time they're nine, ten years yeah. old, and so. In other words, they're already making moral and ethical decisions out of their worldview, whatever yeah. that is. Yeah. Whether we've helped shape that or not, you know, I mean, they, they have their worldview, and it's pretty much locked in stone. Now, I've had parents throughout the year, because I've said that many times in the pulpit, and I have parents ask me, well, my kid's dying, can I change that? I said, you can try. I mean, anything. Sure, you know, yeah. Ever, I mean, conversion is about yeah. changing. I mean, grown so, men can get <laughs> but, saved and their whole life turn around. So. But, you know, we, we've created this situation, this hybrid situation, where you can claim to be a Christian, but have absolutely nothing to do with a Christian worldview. Yeah. And so, and then we wonder, well, why do people who are Christians act like pagans? Well, because they've never, they've never sifted their belief system through that worldview. Is is this worldview something that's really driving their thinking about decision making hmm. or just their thinking about morality their thinking you know in those yeah and, and see that experience is you know very different from mine um, I was probably 7th or 8th grade hmm. the first time I started hearing about worldview and yeah. specifically yeah. biblical worldview from my youth pastor um, and so that would have been 99 2000 somewhere coming through there uh, and so maybe that's probably about the same time you saw that trend in, in church life changing. Of course, I had no idea about anything. I was too young. But um, the conversation about a biblical worldview, um, it came to forefront, you know, in, in youth culture and things like that. Yeah. And what you're saying specifically even about students concluding, like, you know, in my in my research, I've determined, um, based on what the developmental theorists are saying, 13 seems to be that that last stage of concluding about worldview yeah. and so that those preteen years they're formulating that worldview and then after 13 it is really hard yeah. to try and change it and more than more often than not they do have a developed worldview based on their parents worldview uh, it's just more of like the worldview that the parents practiced and lived out not necessarily spoke about and, and i think that's you know again we i, I think and I don't want to get too pedantic and obvious, but we're all working. We're all working out of a worldview. Mm-hmm. Everybody, all y'all, everybody's working out of a worldview. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we're, you know, there are no, uh, 
you know, there, there, there are no people that went, well, I'm not sure what a worldview is, and I don't know that I have one. Yes, you do. You have one because mm-hmm. it, is, it is being constructed in you by the culture around you and by the entertainment systems around you and by the, you know, the, uh, the, the philosophies of the day, the textbooks that you're taught from, the books that you're told to read that you think, well, I'm not told to read that. Pretty much you are. You know it's there because somebody told you to read it. Right. Uh, music you listen to, all of this, all of these things are, are pouring into the worldview of your children. Uh, and we're, you know, we'll just kind of keep this on that level of talking about kids and parents. But all of these things are informing that worldview. And, and you're, either, you're either passively allowing that to happen, and, and by default it's happening, mm-hmm. Which or... I, I would say that's where most Americans I think are so. And, yeah. and partly, and, I, and again, I'm, I'm not really, I'm not going to jump up in the front of the line and beat people up because I was there. I'm, I'm going, I'm a pastor. I didn't know what a worldview was. You know, nobody ever told me. I, I'd never heard that before. So it's not surprising to me that when you talk to some parents, they're going, what are we even talking about? What is a world yeah. Why does it matter? Yeah. Uh, well, it matters because you can't have a conversation with it. You know, Jason and I are talking. We're, you know, this is a worldview conversation, but every conversation you have is a worldview, is a worldview conversation. conversation. And, and so it's just which one are you speaking out mm-hmm. of? Which worldview are you coming at this from? So every argument happening in our country, every disagreement, every fracture, every, every riot, every, everything that's happened is a worldview-informed event. Mm-hmm. What's happening with Vladimir Putin in Russia is a war, his worldview in, mm-hmm. in action. This is yep. what, how powerful is a worldview? Well, it can start wars, you know, and, and, that's, yep. and that's what we're looking at. So yeah. understanding that we have a right worldview, but also that we are communicating that to our children at a level that they can understand is, is a huge piece of parenting. Yeah. So. And for our listeners, uh, a biblical worldview is where, you know, if, if the worldview is the lens in which you view the world, the, the Bible essentially becomes the worldview. And, you know, we're going to get more into this, but it's, it's dependent upon how much you believe the Bible, how authoritative you think the Bible is, um, how much you allow the Bible to infiltrate your life actually determines how biblical your worldview is going to be. So let's get into some of the research and statistics now. Again, this is not our research. We're trying to interpret this pastorally uh, for our church and for potentially others. So um, let's just talk about the 2% of Americans uh, who have preteen children have a biblical worldview. Okay. All right, is that shocking to you? It was shocking to me. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> I would have thought the number would have been a little higher, but at the same time, I'm going to go back to just pleading ignorance. I'm going to stand with the folks that are just ignorant about it. Just, I don't know. I never knew what that was. I don't know. So. Mm. Do you you know? Did you end up picking up a, a Christian worldview by default? Possibly. I mean, maybe your parents were very intentional about pouring these things into you, and 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 we'll. I'm assuming we'll get to that in the podcast, talking about how to do that, how oh, to yeah. inform this in your kids. But you know, the, I, I think that the way we are seeing Christian people acting, behaving, making moral choices, making sexual choices, making choices about substance abuse, about all kinds of different issues and, and things that are happening in the world. Yeah, I'm not shocked that it's just 2% because I'm, I'm sure not seeing anything really great happening yeah. out of the 98% that don't have a Christian worldview. Yeah. 
you know, so you've got, you know, it, I'm not surprised that, that as what we're seeing, as we see the, Christ, the church look more like the world, what's really happening is the church has surrendered our worldview to the world. To the world. Mm. And that's what's actually yep. going on. But that is what informs our behavior. You know, yeah. your kids' behavior is informed by their worldview. Yeah, and, and so that was all Americans are only 2%, um, again, of parents of predominantly millennials who have preteen kids. <laughs> That's almost me. I'm not quite there, but I'm, I'm close. Um, but then it says only 4% of those who identified as Christians had a worldview that was biblical. Mm-hmm. That one threw me off as well. I was like, why would you claim to be a Christian yet not be in a biblical well, mind mindset, that's I mean that's where you have to dig into the weeds of the of the survey. What how did how did they define Christian in the survey? Uh, I mean, and if you just leave that word out there, then you've got people picking it up and going, "Well, I'm an American, therefore I'm a Christian." I you know I mm. I voted for Donald Trump, therefore I'm a Christian. I'm you know those kind of things filter into these surveys you know so Mm -hmm. these are not like purely spiritually driven kind of things there's a whole lot of different factors that roll into this and sometimes it's just our own good old-fashioned american uh, uh, morality that comes to play well i believe in you know god and apple pie and mom and and uh, you know, and the flag, and, I, and that's that's my life. That's that makes me a Christian, and and for some Christians, that's what their belief system is. Now we know better than that. We know a whole lot more than that. But some people just go, well, yeah, I'm a Christian, and or basically, I was born in America. I was born in the South. I have to be a Christian mm-hmm. because I was born in the South. I, you know, we met a lady. We were on a mission trip in uh, uh, in Turkey, and and uh, went into Ephesus, and we were being ushered around by a female tour guide and uh, when we got on the bus on the safety of the bus she told us in that tour that uh, she said you know uh, in Turkey everybody is Muslim Hmm. she said when you're born it is put on your birth certificate that you're Muslim that you're Muslim you are Islam because you were born in Turkey she said I'm not Islam hmm and she said, part of my responsibility at this point is to tell you the five tenets of Islam. She said, and there are two problems with that. Number one, I don't believe any of them. Wow. And the other is, you're a busload of preachers. So she said, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but again, her worldview, the worldview, and when you go to Turkey, you go to those parts of the world, it, I mean, the... The Islamic worldview is just assumed. Everything mm-hmm. is built around assuming that that is your worldview. And I think there's there's a lot of stuff still, even though America, we call it a post-Christian nation or whatever. Some people don't like to call it that. But, um, but in America, I think there are so many things happening right now that... Um, that betray the fact that we just don't have a solid grip on what is biblical Christianity uh-huh. versus what is cultural Christianity versus what is just, I'm not that, so therefore I'm this, which is where a lot of people define their religion. Yeah. I mean, we used to grow up, well, I won't go into the whole, <laughs> I'll, I'll, let me back, let me retract that, I'm, I'm not going to talk about that. But, you know, we, we, you know we, we're not that, so therefore we're this. Well, I know I'm not that, so therefore I'm this. Yeah. 
And I think that's where a lot of people answer positively on these Christian, are, are you a Christian? Well, I'm not that, so I'm this. Right. So, so I'm and not that, an atheist, therefore I'm a Christian. And that was really the research. It was, okay, you identify as something. Yes. But then when we ask you theological questions about that belief system, no idea what you didn't even know what it was. You yeah. didn't actually hold right. to it. Right. Um, because the next uh, statistic, less than 1% of Americans hold to a major worldview or major religious worldview other than Christianity. So that was Baha'i, Islam, um, which I was surprised. I thought there would be at least 1% with as much immigration that we've seen into our culture. But I think think those numbers get skewed and exaggerated, but I, I I will say this. I think, you know, when you consider that the number of Christians in the world, I think two and a half billion, maybe, 2.6 2.6 billion identify as Christian. That's that's more people than the population of Russia. Mm. That's more people than the population of Russia and China. Mm. That's more people than the population of Russia and China and the United States put together. So, you know, you've got that. We, we have the largest religious entity Mm-hmm. In the, you know, now there's a lot of you know there's a lot of machinations, a lot of political uh, hocus pocus going on, trying to go. Well, no, this group's really growing. You look okay, really. Mm-hmm. You you got two point five six seven billion people following. Yeah. Now again, I you're not going to see those two point seven billion people in church on Sunday. No, you this know? is about identifying. Right. But not necessarily actually. And, and then you've got thrown into that number. You've got a lot of Orthodox religions, a lot of places that, are, again, are nationalistic religion where they're, you know, yeah. you, you were born in Greece, therefore you are Greek Orthodox, yeah. you know, those kind of things. Right. And that's, you know, that's, again, those distort, these numbers. surveys are hard to do because they, they distort those. But numbers. I mean, man, we could have, we don't have time, but we could have a really long discussion on just the differences in believing, you know, Orthodox doctrines. Yeah. And versus just identifying, right, right. Um, but not just even within Christianity, but in so many other arenas yeah. of life. There's a lot of people who identify as something, but don't actually hold to the beliefs of what that may be or do. Well, the I keep waiting for the survey to come out that says, you know, you have two two options. You have two choices. Let's simplify this. You're a nun or you're a sum. Yeah. You know, you, you've got <laughs> you got nothing, and, and I don't want anything to do with anything organized, anything religion, anything like that. Or I got something. I got yeah. some something. I got a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And well, based on the next statistic, um, the somethings probably would would win, because it says ninety four percent have a syncretic worldview. All right, so syncretic worldview. Let's explain what that is, and maybe some of the little nuances there. Yeah. So the syncretistic, you know, when you, when you get into syncretistic religion, this this was, you know, I can give you the example. If you go back into the Old Testament, uh, Baal worship in the Old Testament was more often than not an additive to the worship of Yahweh. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it was not like we're going to throw the altar of Yahweh out, we're going to add a something little, to it. A little pepper, a little zing to what to you know, some to flavor. That. Yeah. And and it's and honestly it was often it was like it was in uh, in in Thessalonica in uh, Paul's day. 
that you know there there are all kinds of gods in play. There was no effort to say there's only one of these is right. I mean, they're trying to appease this God oversees the ocean, so therefore we're a port city. We need him to be happy because we don't want storms. Mm-hmm. So, so the citizens of the of the of the city of Thessalonica, by civil duty, by civil responsibility, were required to bring an offering to those oh, gods wow. for civil welfare. This is right, to, right. this is to protect us the, from the, the ocean, right. This is to protect keep us the from, God happy. You know, so there's so each God had a purpose and was over a certain area, but this was Roman. You know, this was a Roman ruled city, and these were Roman gods. So right. you, but you were required by law to offer sacrifices to these gods to protect. So if you mm-hmm. if you're a good citizen of Thessaloniki, then you would bring your offerings. Now, what if you were Jewish? You know, what if you were a, you know, monotheistic Jew in that day and you were required not to acknowledge the presence of other gods, but your civil duty was to... Was to give the offering, yeah. So so there was a a syncretism, there was a blending together of religious systems. They existed not in in a very... It wasn't a, an elegant dance. It was it was slammed together. Yeah, but they but they coexisted. Now, what Paul started doing when when he would walk into these cities, is he would just tear those two religions apart, mm-hmm. which would create the riots. That would right. create the problems. Right. It wasn't that he was so much teaching Jesus as much as he was basically saying, this Jesus is more important than the gods that we have to keep happy. Yeah. Through our offerings and through our gifts, right? Because they're uh, just fables. They're and not then real. They they really make it fun to worship these gods too, but you know, there's there's <laughs> all of that going on. So, it, but again, this has been syncretism. Is not, you know this? I think this is the enemy's preferred way to pollute and to downgrade the gospel. Mm. It's not to it's 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 too. He knows he can't eliminate it, but it waters it down. It, right. It, it drains it down, drains it of color, drains it of its own uniqueness uh, as you, you know, pull it up against these other mm-hmm. systems. So then, okay, if he's weakening it, and I think this is important, you know, delineation for our listeners. If he's weakening the, the gospel or the biblical worldview, if we want to make those interchangeable, does he rob the gospel of its power? Can you still be saved as a Christian saying, yeah, I believe in Jesus and all these other things as well? Well, and that was also a great debate in the, in the New Testament church. You know, is, is that even possible to be able to say, well, yes, I worship Jesus, but you know, I also give to Hermes you know, mm-hmm. because this is, you know, Hermes is the god of this particular mm-hmm. trade guild and I'm in the union. So I have to give an offering to that, right. God, you know, not because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm winking, right? Sure, you know, sure. But still, it's it's. Uh, now again, the question, you know, the, the the purists would call that out as compromise, mm-hmm. as you are compromising your beliefs in doing that, mm-hmm. uh, even though you're saying, well, no, I'm doing this so I don't lose my job. Sure, you know. But so there, there's a real struggle. You know, again, this is a dynamic we don't pick up on always in the New Testament. But it's it was really, it was really present. And this is this is uh, this is how. I mean, really, 
Paul and Silas got in trouble in Philippi. Yeah. Over they got jailed. They, yeah. Well, they got you know beaten and thrown in jail yeah. because they cast this demon out of this this mm-hmm. girl, this snake demon, out of this girl who was making her owners a lot of money. Right. Well, here was a religious system that was coexisting. Yeah. You know. And 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 now you come along and say no, we can't. You can't coexist, right? Okay. And and we don't know. And again, we don't know how to have those dialogues today. Yeah. With people, I mean, either we want to give up too much, we give up too much ground, and we we want to get along, so we give up the things that make Christianity unique. uh, Versus taking a stand and saying no, you know, we're not going to bend here. We have to. See, that's where I want to get to in our next kind of question is. Okay, so how is it in our modern days, the syncretic worldview, and it seems to be more Eastern religions are the ones that we're doing more of the syncretism with, where it's, yes, Christianity, but I've, I've talked to many Christians uh, over the years where, yes, I believe this, and in my next life, I'm going to come back as this. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute, like, the Bible doesn't have next life. Mm-hmm. That's a Hinduist or, or a Buddhist yeah. truth. Um, or, or you'll even hear like a lot of Zen Buddhism where I'm just seeking my own way out, trying to find my way to God. So how mutually exclusive are those in our modern culture? Because apparently 94% of people don't think they are. Well, I, and again, I think they very much are. Uh, I think we don't even, you know, it, they, I think it's so subtle we don't even always notice that it's happening or that it's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, our kids, and this is part of the problem that parents are having today and kids are having today, our kids want to get along. Right. They just want to get They want to get along with their peers, with their, you know, uh, they listen to, uh, you know, they are getting really, I mean, they're really getting pushed back by the culture and basically mocked and ridiculed and made mm-hmm. fun of and everything else in ways that adults aren't always. Um, and so it's easier for them to kind of go, well, I, uh, well I, it, here's what I'm seeing a lot right now, just personally, and I'm, and I'm not working with youth like you do, but here's what I'm seeing a lot. I'm seeing a lot of kids that are going, I'm going to start identifying as, as you know, LGBTQ plus whatever, mm-hmm. not because I so much feel that I am, but because I want to identify with those who are. Yeah. So you know, because I'm a nice person. Yeah. You know, kind of, th- and it's it's almost like. Well, so, that's and that that is the new trend. They'll say things yeah. like, "I don't want to be called boy or girl. I don't want to use the exactly. binary yeah. words. Yeah. I'm fluid, or yeah. I'm yeah. pan gender, and, and, and or I know, something." And I'm not trying to hijack your your. Uh, your conversation here, but I think that's exactly you know the, uh, it's a, the issue of of the transgender of of all the the other issues coming out of the sexual revolution and the LGBTQ stuff are about a worldview, mm-hmm. and when you reject a Christian worldview that says God created, mm-hmm. period, yep. Uh, and this is his design. Yeah. Yeah. Then you give up ground, and I think I've said this on the podcast before. You, you have. give up ground of of being able to say, well, no, if you were born this way, that's who you are. Well, now they're saying no, it's not that. Yeah. And but but again, those are those are 
those identity issues, those those uh, worldview issues are, are what's driving yeah. the problems now. And, and the fact that we don't have this worldview thing nailed down mm. is why all of this is happening to us. Yeah, you, uh, you brought up a critical point where you know, for the parent, if they're just, no matter what the topic is, if you've already allowed a syncretistic worldview to enter into your family, into your own personal life, you've lost a foundation because there's no absolute truth anymore to say this is right, this is wrong, this is God's design, this is what we hold to. It, you know, you hate to draw a hard line in the sand, but it's almost like, listen, it's all, it's, it's either the biblical worldview or it's something else, right. and, and, and you I can't think, really do it together. You know, again, I think it's a, it, it is it is a conversation in this, but it's maybe a different one that we want to have. But you know, we we get back into the different kinds of tolerance mm. that you know, and and you know, kids today are still being hard pressed, hard pressed, and I don't I don't mean teenagers, I mean little kids, hard pressed to uh, to be tolerant of views that are things that they don't necessarily agree with mm-hmm. they don't necessarily buy into or understand but they're being hard pressed to accept them because mm-hmm. well that's just what if you're a decent person that's what you're going yeah. to do yeah and, and I think you know again I think there is a there's a need for intellectual tolerance there's a need for uh, even legislative tolerance you know we, yes. we need to, to legally if somebody wants to be moving off in those directions they have every legal right to do that we can't stop that but we do not have to be morally tolerant and and that's where we haven't taught our kids well that because of your worldview you can't believe these things are, are true they are not biblical because of your mm-hmm. worldview your worldview says God created and that means God made you as you are God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't say oops. He doesn't drop things. It doesn't, you know, God, God is God. And you either believe that or you don't have a Christian worldview because, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I mean, a Christian worldview is determined, it's based on the cornerstone of that is, is God created, you know, in yeah. the beginning, God, yeah. in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And if you don't have that firmly in, entrenched inside of you, then the rest of the pieces of it don't make much sense anyway. Mm. So. See, you have a you have a knack at inviting yourself back because like that's a that's a fantastic topic just to come back and be like, hey, what are the differences in tolerance? And having the conversation with the kid like, yes, you need to be socially tolerant or legislatively tolerant, but you don't have to be morally tolerant. But our culture is very much right now. Not only do we want tolerance, not only do we even want acceptance, we want approval for everything. Well, we want well, we want to flatten out. So if you have an idea, your idea is as valid as mine. If if yeah. my if if my idea is uh, for you to fix your computer, well, why don't you just you know take your laptop and and uh, just drop it in the bathtub and and leave it yep. in there for thirty minutes and come back and get it? Yep. Well, I'm going to say okay. Well, number one, uh, I'm going to be nice and say you're entitled to your opinion. Yep. Uh, but you just used the bad word. We're not but, supposed to say opinion anymore. Well, you're entitled to your idea. And, your, and, to and your here's truth. The, problem. the world says you have to give equal credence to your idea to drop your laptop into the bathtub yeah. versus my opinion that you should not drop your laptop into the bathtub. But nobody's now allowed to say one of those ideas is, is a necessarily bad idea. 
better than the other. Yeah. Okay. So now, now the language is, that's your truth and this yeah. is my truth. Yeah, my truth. They're both true. But my truth is, I will have a laptop when that's done. That's the, that's the, <laughs> that's the real but, truth, yeah, right? Yeah, but, but, you know, so how do you define truth? But, that, you know, anyway, that's... Yeah. Tim, thank you so much uh, for welcome. joining us. Uh, and as I said earlier, we're going to have to have you on again for another... <laughs> another episode uh, for those listening thank you for joining into the pod uh, parent life podcast today i uh, hope this uh, conversation blessed your life and informs you in your parenting um, if you're a member of fruit cove baptist of course uh, thank you and we would really love to partner with you and your family as ministers uh, if you have any questions about me or my ministry you can go to jasonstanlin.com if you have any questions about fruit cove baptist church you can go to fruitcove.com to find out more about her ministries and the links and the uh, the links are in the bio and in the description and of course if you want any sort of interaction with parent life podcast you can email us at parentlife at fruitcove.com may you be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding colossians 1 9 see you next week